Episode 44 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. It's out. Welcome to episode 44 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Owls, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all of the benefits that come alongside it. Well, uh, the book's out, uh, which is, is really cool. Uh, the show's been going for about, blimmin' hell, I'm just looking at the show in front of me now. I started this show in 2010 and it's you know currently September in 2014, so she has been given four years. Wow, it's crazy when I think about that. Um, and so it's literally four years to the day because it started in September 2010, so it's been going for four years, which is which is kind of cool. Uh, and for those of you who've been listening to this show for a long time, you'll know that uh, you know around about two two years ago, 18 months ago, I kind of went away and, and wrote a book. And um, yeah, yeah, and uh, you've kind of been a part of this journey up to this moment where the book has been released. And today's show is going to be a bit different to what I normally do on the short podcast because it's going to be a little bit about uh, about myself, which is often the case on this show, but a little bit about um, what got me to the point where I would write a book. So if you are someone who's listening to this podcast for the very first time, it's probably not going to be the typical experience you would get with fitness behavior, but have a listen and hopefully you can get some, I don't know, maybe some insight from my experience and, um, and yeah, and, uh, and, and, you know, maybe also go back and listen to some other shows because I've, people seem to love what we're doing here on this podcast so that's really cool so just before I even get into lots of details of the book I think there's just a couple of things I can ask from you so you can now get the book um, in New Zealand you can get it shipped to you and I know a lot of you guys want to get the, the physical book shipped overseas and at this stage it's not, well unless you want to pay a lot for shipping it's it's not really possible for us to do that my publisher basically what happens is you have a publisher in your country, and then if other countries want to sort out to publish it in other countries, they have to print off their own batch of books. And I suppose if the book sells really well on Amazon, that would be something my publisher would look to do. But at this stage, they're just trying to look at their New Zealand sales. So uh, for those people who are overseas listening to this, and I know a big part of the fitness behavior audience is people from overseas. Uh, for now, the Kindle edition is how you need to get it. So, and I'll have a link to this week's show notes of how you can get it through the Kindle edition there as well. So, um, I will just say one thing on that. If you have listened to the show, and I have to admit that a lot of the content in the book really comes from the concepts I've talked about on the show. So, you know, there's there's probably you know a lot of it will be stuff you guys know, but. If you have ever listened to the show and felt you've got value from the show, can I please ask that you get my Kindle book? And the only reason I say that is because, um, you know, I want to sell books first of all, but often things that happen in this world of publishing is that you get attention when things get sold pretty quickly. And the Kindle books just came out about two or three days ago. And so um, if I can get a, a, a good amount of people buying it all around the same time, then it tends to go up on the lists of sales and stuff like that there. So if you've ever listened to the show and you've got value for it, it's $16 US. It's, um, I think that's what they're charging for it. Um, 
and you are thinking about doing it, can I get you to do it ASAP? But just because I want to kind of get that attention and that momentum working towards book sales on Amazon ASAP. So that would be really cool if you could do that. Um, yeah, also, if, if you are going to read the book, uh, can you go onto the Amazon and put a review on the Amazon page? And I hope that you think it's a great review and it's a, you know deserves a good review on Amazon because that's obviously helps other sales as well. So just a kind of couple of things on that front. So as I think about the book, I thought I'd spend today's show sharing an experience about what got me to writing a book. And, uh, and I think there might be some insights into other areas here, but I know I'm going to put some music on again. This is a different kind of show. Uh, here we go. Let's put some music on and see how it goes. A while ago, I was at a, a wedding for a very good friend of mine. Uh, this one, I got, I got to be the MC. And uh, it was quite funny because being an MC, you know, your job is to kind of coordinate the day and, and, you know, make sure everyone's, everything's on track and also entertain the crowd and all those types of things. And um, I, I, it, was a, it was a position that I kind of don't know if I absolutely nailed it, but, you know, you, you do these things. And uh, so my, my day was very much consumed by doing those roles, you know, like coordinating people, letting people know what was happening. And it was a very big wedding with kind of lots of little aspects to it that I had to take kind of take control of and then um, once we kind of done the main speeches and the meal had been done my day was pretty much wrapped up and I finally got to kind of catch up with a lot of the friends of mine who were at the wedding and one of the friends who was at the wedding I wouldn't even say this person is a huge friend but probably someone I've known quite well I wouldn't even say I've known them that well I've just known for years in my industry as this lady who um, it was probably 10 years ahead of me in my industry when I first started. So this is this lady who was very much an icon in fitness and very much when I first started was one of the biggest names in the industry and and, and a massive star in the industry. And uh, and it's someone who over the years I've, I've had very few conversations with, but when I do, we always seem to have a really interesting conversation. And I, I managed to sit down with this lady and, and we just kind of spent, we probably spent like an hour just talking about stuff and talking about, you know, it was kind of interesting. It kind of very much came down to our careers and and uh, where we were going and what we'd done. And, and, you know, it was one of those reflective but also future thinking kind of conversations that you sometimes have with people. And I'm sitting uh, down with this person, and, and this person is one of these people who has kind of done it all. You know, there's there's this level of achievement that you can look at that, you know, especially in the world that I live in, uh, you know, that a lot of people would dream to have achieved, you know, 25% of what this person has achieved. And so, you know, so for me to be sitting down with this person, and I know when I first started there was, a, you know, I aspired to the things that she was achieving at those times. And uh, yeah, it was, it was quite cool to sit down and have this conversation. And one of the things about this person was, to this day, I still look at the work she still does, and I'm inspired by the quality of, I don't know if craftsmanship is the word that she, the word that I can use to describe her, but, you know, um, like as an as an instructor, she, she teaches, as an instructor, she's a brilliant instructor, but she also does some of this video work, and she does this public speaking, and she has this, this aura when she does this public speaking, and she has this ability to 
to hold an audience in her hands and express and connect and, and make you feel connected with her as a public speaker, which is to a level that I haven't seen often out there. And I was just telling her when I was um, having this conversation with her how much I admired her work and how I often... I look to her, I sometimes look at some of the work that she does and it makes me really reflect on some of my skills in the areas where she's really strong. Uh, For example, when she public speaks, she has this amazing ability to use body language to to take you deeper into the message that she's trying to sell. Uh, It's it's hard to describe, but, you know... um, I just I just find it fascinating how she has this ability to use body language, sure her words and her expression and her face and her tone, you know, the way she, um, you know, inflects her voice all has massive influence on this. And she's a master of those things as well. But at the same time, she has this, I know, this body language that draws you in and it, and it always matches the place that she's trying to take you to. And I was just talking to her this night and I was just kind of expressing how, um, I really admired her work and how I felt she was, um, sorry, I'm just taking my jacket off. She was someone who who really just, you know, was a pretty high, highly skilled person. And, and often when you, when you are having these conversations with people where you are quite generous to them, uh, they, they can be quite generous back. And, um, and sometimes it can be just because they think they need to be generous back. And sometimes it might be because they genuinely ask, you know, believe that what they're saying is true about you and and it kind of came a bit of a one of those conversations where we were kind of being complimentary to um to each other and around certain skills or certain abilities that we have and one of the nice things was she came back to me and she was she, she said she found me to be an a fascinating character in that it seemed to her that I never had any limits around trying to develop myself as a person and as much as it started off as a bit of a complimentary thing to me it was one of the things that she felt she lacked within herself in her career and uh, while this person had you know again if we looked at 99% of the people in my industry they would dream to have achieved 25% of what she had achieved uh, she felt that there were definitely some things that she'd held herself back on in, in her career because Maybe it was a lack of confidence. I'm not exactly sure why the reason, but there was there was something that sometimes would hold her back. And in some ways, while she could see she'd been successful, there was also this kind of little niggle in her head of, if I tried these things here, maybe I would have gone further down a path that would have made me feel more satisfied. Now, those aren't exactly her words, but that's kind of the premise that was coming from her at that time. And, uh, and she was fascinated about what did I have within me that allowed me to always move towards whatever it is that I desired in my life. And uh, and, and again, this is one of those moments where you felt like, um, you know, it was, it was lovely that you're hearing these types of words and it was something that I hadn't really thought a lot about. But then, you know, like I'm in this moment in my life right now where I'm, I'm, I've put out a book. And for, you know, if you've listened to a lot of my work over the years, you know that my life has always been about exercise and, or, you know, there was this kind of period where it wasn't, but, you know, pretty much from day one, if you looked at me as a kid moving forward, if you were to say, this kid 
or would you know do well if he just focuses on exercise for the rest of his life. It was a pretty clear path. Whereas writing was something that I couldn't even do from day one. Like I, you know, you've listened for the people who've listened to the show for a long time, you would have heard me talk about my lack of basic spelling ability and my lack of reading ability, all these kind of basic skills around such a, a fundamental life skill. And here I am, you know, a few years down the piece, and I've written a book. Now, is my book the best book of all time? Well, that's, you know, I, I, I doubt that it would be. <laughs> uh, is my writing ability the best writing ability out there? Well, again, I, I very much doubt it. Um, but have I produced a piece of work in an area that fundamentally I was so weak at when I was a kid? And the answer is, yeah. And her conversation with me really did make me look at myself in, in some way, in some deep ways, I suppose, is, is probably, why is it that I think I can achieve things? And I hope today's podcast doesn't come off as, as I think I'm awesome, because it's not about that. I'm not, not trying to say, hey, I'm a legend, look, I wrote a book. Uh, what, I'm, what I want to share with you guys is, why is it that I think that I can write a book? And then why does it happen? And then is there any insight that I can share with, with you guys and you know in this area that can maybe help you move towards the thing that maybe you want to move towards? I think there's, there's a, a few th- interesting things that, that I can share around this, this idea of that I have this belief that I can... Now, it's not that I believe I can achieve anything. Uh, I did an interview. I'm doing lots of media right now for the for the book. You know, I've done TV in New Zealand and radio and stuff like that. And, um, you know, one one of the media guys says, was there anything you don't think you can do? And uh, there's lots of things I don't think I can do. I, I, I don't believe I can achieve everything. But the, the thing I do have is I'm never afraid to try. And I suppose... That's what I learned early on, was once I came through this period of my life where I started to develop myself, and, and I got to the other side of that where um, I'd built some confidence in myself, I never, my perception on the world and my ability to be able to achieve in the world shifted in quite a big way. You know, before that moment, I didn't really believe I could achieve anything in this life. And then after this kind of transformational period, it was that why I can definitely always grow in any area that I want. And I think, you know, I look back to that time, I look back to that time where I was someone who had nothing going for me. And often, you know, I was interesting, again, I'm getting lots of questions thrown at me in my life right now. And, and it is funny, I think I talked about in the last podcast how you, you can worry that you become a bit of a tape deck, just pushing play, rewind and play with the same answers. But I, um, I got a question the other day around, do I relapse? You know, do I ever have these moments of um, needing alcohol or drugs? Or, you know, did I, you know, in, in that time since, you know, I moved on from that life. And the funny thing for me is I never have. Like, I never, ever have had the desire to go get drunk. I've never, ever had the desire to go get stoned. And for me, through my period of developing myself, I, I gained a lot of confidence which became so appealing and I gained kind of these methods to deal with the tough things in my life. It became so appealing that the alternative just kind of shut off to my mind. 
And one of the things that happened at that time, and I think this is why I was able to get to uh, this place where I, you know, I do think I can write a book and then end up writing one. When you, when you, when I hit the lowest low, and I realised that I really had nothing going for me, like I really had nothing going for me. When I hit that low, then I started to realise well, I needed to work on myself. And that's when I started to do, you know, the effort and the, the time and commitment into developing myself. And some of those development things were quite practical things, like I had to learn to spell. So I, I went away and I um, did spelling lessons. Um, I had to get some qualifications. So I went away and I went to university. You know, like I, I started to develop myself in ways that often most people would think to develop themselves in. So, you know, like I think if if you were to say right now, I want to develop myself in this area here right now, there's probably somewhere out there, you know, that could help you do that. And that could be quite a practical thing. So it might be I want to become a better musician. So I might get a tutor. So there was this kind of real practical development within myself. But there was also this, this overcoming of limits in the smaller things in life that I felt I was dependent on when I was drinking and doing drugs. And a great example of this was dancing when I went out partying. And when dancing when I went out partying is a really funny thing you you do, or that's a really hard thing to do when you you aren't intoxicated. Now, if you're a great dancer, if you're someone who can rock out and play all cool dance moves, it's probably not, you know. But for someone who, you know, only ever really danced when they were drunk and didn't necessarily think they were a great dancer. Like, I don't think I'm a terrible dancer. I can pull off a few moves, but I don't think I'm, you know, a rock star dancer. It's one of those things in your life where you're really self-aware. And when I came out of this period in my life of, you know, moving from being someone who really had nothing going for them towards someone who was developing myself. I definitely had this, again, I had this path of, well, how do I practically develop myself, get lessons, do courses, educate myself. But then I also looked at developing myself in the areas that weren't so obvious, but had a big impact on me moving forward. So it's interesting, my my father's uh, an alcoholic, and uh, I'm quite proud of my father because my dad had a very tough upbringing and, and um, had a big problem with alcohol in a way that was quite destructive to himself and his world. And when I was around five or six, my dad totally gave up drinking. And, um, and to this day, now, so I'm 37 now, so, you know, this has been like 32 years. And uh, he, I'm so proud of how he's done this because, you know, he was a man who really struggled a lot as a younger man. And um, I'm quite proud of what my father's achieved in his life. One of the things about the way my dad has given up alcohol is he's restricted some parts of his life because the temptation is too close in some ways. And so, for example, my dad doesn't really party. Um, he's not the kind of guy who's going to go out and go dancing, um, you know, nowadays. And so while I'm very proud of what my father has achieved, the way that one of the ways that he has achieved that is to to put some limits on himself in some ways. Now, don't get me wrong, my dad's not the most outgoing. That's I'm wrong of me to say that, but <laughs> my dad's in bed. My dad's awesome. I love my dad, um, but he's not the kind of guy who would you know want to be going out dancing every weekend anyway. He's not that kind of soul. But I imagine when he drank, he probably did dance sometimes. Now, 
when he gave up drinking, a way of him to be able to stay away from alcohol was he restricted some areas of his life because they probably made him a little bit vulnerable. And when he was drinking, he was able to address that vulnerability. But because he removed alcohol, that vulnerability was suppressed in his life. I hope that makes sense. So if we look at my own trajectory moving forward from that moment where I changed, as there was, you know, I did go to develop myself. But there were some areas where I could have just thought to myself, no, I can totally remove myself from this area because I'm vulnerable and I can suppress that area so that, you know, I never have to face my vulnerability in my life. But it means I'll be able to stay away from the thing that could be a risk for me. So I could stay away from nightclubs and never dance again in my life because the risk of me wanting to go back to alcohol would be too high. And in some ways, that would be a really wise strategy because if I was an alcoholic, you know, that would be a different beast. Now, for me, at that time when I thought about developing myself, I recognized that one of the parts of me developing myself outside of that that practical side of, you know, doing the work, you know, like university and, and studying and tutors and so on, was how do I overcome the things that I felt held back on that I felt I needed drugs and alcohol to be able to do? So how do I overcome the sense of needing to be able to be drunk to dance? Another thing I felt at that time was I only felt I could be creative on the guitar if I was stoned. So how can I be creative when I'm not on drugs? And I remember, I remember going out, um, I remember going out dancing the first time and it was, it was one of the, it was probably one of the, a very scary, I don't know if it was one of the scariest moments of my life, but I remember it, it being so, so scary. And I remember being like, we all know what it's like to be self-aware I think the the best way to describe self-awareness, well, I don't know if the best way to describe it, but a good situation is that public speaking thing. And if you're someone who uh, is is fearful of public speaking, who doesn't, you know, you know, which is the majority, <laughs> which is a lot of people, if you're someone who's really fearful of that, it's it's like the eyes of the world are looking on you, and in that moment they can see the thing that you're most fearful of revealing to the world. And, and it's not like they're just looking at you. They're looking at you with these massive magnifying glasses. And you it's, it's like you feel your vulnerabilities are exposed in the most obvious, um, brightest lights possible. And, you know, you can see why someone like my father, who um, isn't a natural kind of outgoing personality, how one of the ways he kind of got through you know, not drinking alcohol after being an alcoholic for so long was to to not go into those places where he would feel self-aware in a vulnerable way. And if we look at uh, myself, in, in those situations in my life where I was very vulnerable, as I shifted towards, the, you know, the, that better version of myself at that age, I remember going out dancing and um, being sober and, you know, realizing that the option of of not drinking was, you know, like I'm, I don't drink anymore, so that was no longer an option. And at first, I remember going out and just, sit, you know, get, going up to dance was just such a big thing to overcome. And I'm it, like, it's, it's like, it's like people were scared of the water. 
you know, you see people who are scared of, of the water at swimming pools and you can see they they want to get in and, and you can see them kind of walk up and maybe touch their toe in a little bit, but then they pull back because there's, there's this fear around this thing. And I, I remember I, I, the, the bar at the time was called this Fat Lady's Arms and it was kind of my haunt for a long time when I was a drinker and if those walls could talk, they'd have some pretty bad stories about me. Um, and, but I remember going there, you know, this short period after I'd given drinking, given up drinking, and I remember going there and all my friends were pretty drunk and having a good night out and not a bad way, they're just having a good time. And, I, and I'm just standing on the side watching them thinking, I want to dance. And, and thinking I want to put, you know, I'd put my foot in that water, walk in a little bit and and then I'd, oh, you know, I need to go to the toilet. And I somehow within myself at that time, I knew that a part of me moving forward was I have to dance. And so eventually I, I dove in. And uh, and I have to say I probably was dancing quite self-aware at first. And, uh, you know, kind of when anyone looked at me, I kind of I went to that place of the, you know, the public speaker where you're self-aware and I've got the magnifying glass on you. I was worried about how they were, you know, judging my dancing and stuff. And, uh, but after a short period of time, I realized that no one was actually thinking about me at all. Like, no one cared about what my dancing was like. You know, they were having their own experiences. And uh, and within this very short period of time, the, the fear of the vulnerability of being in that place kind of dissolved away. And then from that moment forward, I was able to dance. Now, again, I was no Michael Jackson, and I'm not talking about my dancing ability here. But it was a re- that's a it's a real example of how, as a part of myself developing myself, I I overcome some of the deeper, more conf- confrontational things that aren't actually necessarily about you know here's what I need to do you know here's the skill set that I need to develop. It was more of here's something that holds me back that maybe I just need to take a risk on because I feel I want a life where I can have that in it. And that example there was an example that I had to overcome a lot in my life at that time, because when you are addicted to drugs and alcohol, or you, or you have a you know an, an area of your life where you are restricted, because um, you've, you know, well, probably a better way of putting this is, is when you have a dependency on something else to be able to do something else, then... It's, you need a lot of development. And I suppose, you know, again, if I have a dependency on drugs to be creative and guitar, I needed to train myself to be creative without the drugs. If I needed alcohol to be able to, you know, dance, I needed to train myself to be able to dance without the alcohol. And so as I was going through this development stage, I... I overcame these things. I I, I, I danced. Well, nowadays, I don't care at all. Now, as I'm often the, the <laughs> often the funny thing nowadays is people ask what I'm on. You know, they think I'm the most drunk person in the place, which is probably a concern about my dancing. Let's be honest. Um, but I, you know, nowadays those things that like it's it's I have no problem, no awareness around when it comes to dancing. 
maybe sometimes if I'm, I'm dancing for real rock stars, I might be a little bit self-aware, but but really, you know, it's not a problem. Nowadays, I have no concerns about being creative with my music. I, you know, I might sometimes struggle with the creative process, but I, I don't feel I can't try to be creative. One of the real values of, of me overcoming the less obvious barriers that I had within myself was I got to experience life in a much more fulfilling way. So I was able to go out and have these these nights where I could go out and dance like crazy and experience those things in a way that was really awesome. And with that, one of the real gains that came was a sense of confidence in myself. And I remember a friend of mine gave up smoking once. And uh, for those of you who have smoked or, or do smoke, it's such a hard thing to overcome. Like it seems like smoking is is one of the hardest things to overcome because it's so clear that it's unhealthy for you. Like everyone knows it. And uh, and I know that a lot of smokers live quite a guilt-ridden life because of this habit that they have. And um, it's a catch-22 because it's often such a great thing in their lives as well because uh, for those people who haven't smoked, and I'm, I was never a smoker, but I, but I get that if you smoked, there's something about those moments in your day where you get to smoke and 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 you actually love it. And, um, you know, so I get why that's a hard thing to overcome. And my friend who gave up smoking, he just said to me, once you give up smoking, you realise you can overcome so many more other things. And that's what that time in my life gave me, was there was... I got through, you know, this big hard thing. And then I started to develop confidence in myself. And and not a, not a cocky, arrogant way. Like, I've, I've always really tried to keep in a place where my confidence is never about bringing other people down. I, I struggle with arrogance. And, um, and I really, it's the one character trait, if you were to call me arrogant, it would probably be the thing that I would be most upset about because... I, I really, you know, I, I loathe the idea of bringing other people down to make myself feel better. It's, I, don't, I feel I don't do it, um, and I loathe that. But confidence is, do I feel that I can achieve something in this area? And that's what that time in my life gave me. And I think one of the things that came alongside that at the same time was this idea of, not necessarily that I knew that I would be of a certain level in those areas, but I had the confidence to try. There's a podcast I listen to by a guy called Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith is a, is a movie director. He's and his podcast is, is quite crass. If you don't like swearing, if you don't like the kind of out there um, pushing the boundaries kind of comedy. It's probably not going to be your type of thing, but but I love it. And, uh, and uh, you know, like I'm I'm definitely I'm, I'm into that kind of stuff. It makes me it entertains me. Uh, and Kevin Smith, I, what I like about him is is one of his fundamental messages is that don't let things stop you from trying. And and recently he's got this movie coming out called Tusk, which is this kind of very weird. I I, I haven't seen the movie; it's not out yet. But uh, but I'll support him on. I'll go see it. And it's this very weird story. It's horror slash comedy slash kind of thriller um, around uh, this guy who goes on 
goes to interview this guy who, who basically kidnaps him and tries to turn him into a walrus. Now, even listening to that premise right now, you're probably thinking, this is the weirdest kind of idea for a movie ever. And, and the movie actually came from a podcast that he did one time, him and his mate, they, they just talk. And it's a beautiful podcast to listen to because they're such creative people and you can just see how they riff on a, on a subject and how they're able to storytell and, and entertain as they do this. And they did this podcast literally like 18 months ago. And at the end of the podcast, Kevin Smith goes, I might try and make a movie out of this. Now, the movie literally came out a week ago. So 18 months later, he's made this movie. And he's out there doing all the PR work on it now, and he's you know selling this, this movie called Tusk. And one thing he always promotes is anyone can be creative, anyone can start. And I suppose, and, and I love how he does that. I, I love Harry. That's that's his message to the world. Like he's he's a guy who is a creator, but he's so so enthusiastic and so passionate about sharing the idea that why can't you do it why can't you start and I suppose this is where I'm kind of trying to get to with today's kind of sharing of my book experience is that the best thing I got out of my toughest time in my life was never be afraid to start now does that mean that you're going to be the best in the world at this thing you do not sure. Like, like, I've, I'm in a band. I've started being in a band this year. Are we going to be the best band in the world? I don't know. But is, is life about being the best, or is it about having life experiences? And I often think that one of the things that holds us back from starting is this concept that we have to be great before we start. And, um, like, I look at myself, and and as much as you know, I've got this book now, and I still need a lot of help. You know, like every piece, every piece that you read of mine, my partner Joe's read, and and she would have done some proofing on it because my grammar's still pretty poor, and uh, and I still miss my own spelling mistakes to a point when I do my things. Like I'm still not great, and if I'd never, if I if I had to be great to start, there would have been no book, and that's the thing that at time in my life it gave me that thing of, well, why can't I try? And if you think about your own life right now, and you are someone who has these these desires within yourself that you want to move towards, do you think there's, there's aspects around yourself that's stopping you from doing that? You know, I look at you know this this you know where you know again my book's out, but my book you know my book's been eight years in the making. You know, longer. Like, you know, my, my writing started with those spelling lessons 15 years ago. And then I started writing a journal every night. And then, you know, one day I rang my local newspaper and said, can I write a piece for you? And, um, you know, and that was a pretty brave thing for me to do. And, uh, and they said, yes. And then they kind of liked it. And they said, well, can you write some more? And so I started writing some more. And then, you know, I thought, well, I can write a book. I can try this. And I went. I wrote the book before I went to a publisher. I didn't. I didn't have some people. Lots of people saying, "Can you write a book for me?" I wrote my book first, and then I. Then you know, knowing it wasn't you know a piece of gold when you know when it was first the first draft was finished. I, I went to publish and, and I put my hand up out there into the world. And now I've written a book. And, again, who knows, 
if it's a great book or not. Ultimately, for me, the measure is does it help people change, and and uh, and time will tell if that's the case. But it only happened because I was willing to try. And if if I can share anything from this book experience with you is what holds you back from trying? What holds you back from from starting the thing that you want to start? What holds you back? It's such a big question. Are you that person who's standing by the swimming pool looking at everybody on the other, you know, in the pool doing the thing that you love and thinking to yourself, I wish I could jump in that pool. And you and you walk up and you want to dip your feet in, but you're fearful that, I don't know, you might be rejected or that you can't swim like they swim. And so you never try. Ultimately, I suppose... I'll never get to the end of my life wondering if, what if, and um, I'm glad I won't, but it only comes because I'm willing to try, and will this book be a success, I don't know, who knows, I really hope it does, I really like it because it can call, create more opportunity for me to get people moving, like that's my job, my job is to get people moving, and so if I can get this book and have an impact and get more people moving, while well, I'm doing, I'm doing my job. But it might, it might be a total failure. It might be that thing that one week in my life I was out there doing lots of PR, sold a few books, and never talk about it again. And that, you know, that's that's a reality that's you know could really happen. But at least I know I tried. When you, when you think about yourself. What can you try on that you really want to try on? What's that thing that as you're listening to me right now, like you know what it is. How are you going to start moving towards that? How can you start to to be that person on the side of the dance floor who's looking and thinking, oh, and how can you take the you know those, those steps towards that? Ultimately, I think that if you do that, then um, your life will be so much more fulfilled, enriched, your confidence will grow, your ability to look at the world and think, I can achieve, and who knows what level I'll achieve, but at least I'm willing to try, will progress massively. And like I always talk about, is that becomes something that is transferable. Like, I'm not the best musician in the world. I'm, I'm, far, I'm far from the best musician in the world. I'm very average on the piano. But I wanted to play in a band. I'm not afraid to try. Really, that is one of the biggest things, that if you can get to that place in your life, it's such a valuable place to be in your life. I know this show's been very much about me, and I... Uh, and it is, it's important to reinforce that I far from think I'm perfect. Uh, I, don't worry, I've got my own faults, and uh, and I've got my own struggles, and you know, and, and I've talked about this a lot on the show in the past. Um, but the the reason I wanted to go to this place is this is one of those moments in my life where you go, wow! Like I went to the bookshop the other day, and there's my book. 
I was sitting next, it was me and Bear Grylls, you know, and, and I'm thinking, wow, what, like I'm even just getting a bit of kind of an overwhelming feeling myself first thinking about this. I'm like, wow, who would have thought I'd have a bookstore in a bookshop, a book in a bookshop? Like, who would have ever thought that? But it only happened because I was willing to try. And the reason I wanted to share this with you is not that you think I'm great, or it's not that important. It's to encourage you to try. Like Kevin Smith, uh, I love his message. Because one day if you try, then you'll open up the... Like, it's, it's funny, I was kind of going to wrap up, but I'm going to keep it a little bit longer here. It's funny with my Get Up To Five group, my running group. What happens in their world is, they come and join this group, they grow themselves, and the people around them start to think, wow, if Mary can do this, I can do this. If you start to think that you can try and you take that path, suddenly your world will start to think that they can do it as well. And ultimately you become that bigger influence on the world in a really powerful way. So, today's talk, today's sharing, I'm not sure it has anything to do with fitness at all. I'm sure some people will probably just think I'm up myself. <laughs> um, but I hope that you really understand that ultimately what I'm encouraging is just try. You don't have to be great, but just try. I think that if you do that, you'd definitely be moving towards that best version of yourself. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder about myself. I hope there's something in that for you guys. I really, really do. Um, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, please support my book. I, I, it's funny. There's another podcast called Hardcore History, which I think is the best podcast out there by a guy called Dan Carlin. Um, for me, he was actually the guy inspired this podcast. Uh, he, he does hugely intelligent not so, a hugely intelligent podcast around history um, and a deep thinking and, and, and detailed and Dan Carlin does this just this has this amazing body of work and he's such a high level thinker that I yeah, that I aspire to you know if I could be 10% of what he is I'd be happy and uh, he's got this great podcast called Hardcore History and um, and he talks about the modern times that we live in and that that podcasting is podcasting is a very interesting kind of world because there's really no money in it you know no one's you, there's, there's a, a bit of a niche that can do okay out of podcasting but but really you know no one you know, I'm not making any money from this podcast and um, I've got another podcast which probably pays me an okay hourly rate but it's you know it's not going to be retiring off in any way shape or form and uh and but he does talk about how podcasting is kind of like the busker on the street and how, um, you know, the reason podcasting is so successful is that, A, we can talk about, about stuff that you don't hear everywhere else in the world. Like, you don't listen to the radio and hear the kind of conversations that you get through podcasting. You know, like, you really don't. You don't see it on TV. You don't get long-form interviews. You don't get in-depth, you know, where someone can just stew on a subject for, for a long period of time. And... Uh, one of the powerful things about that is that you have this audience who has connected you to you in a really powerful way. And uh, he was saying that really, like the busker on the street, that, that you, sometimes you need to need to ask your audience to support you. And uh, and I suppose this is one of the, those times where I'd love it if you could support me. 
And uh, if you've got any value from my show over the last four years, um, I would love it if you could kind of give something back. And, and the way I want you to do it is to buy my book. And again, I'm not going to be dishonest. I think a lot of the concepts in the book you would have known if you've listened to all these shows. But um, it's more about helping me spread the word. And maybe you could give the book to someone else because ultimately I think that's that's why I did the book is because I think that a book has a much better ability to spread a message than a podcast. So as you're listening to this right now and uh, and you do want to support me and you do want to kind of help me get more reach and uh, and that thing I'm talking about, momentum, go to my website, bevanjamesisles.com. There's a link on the website. I'll just pull it up right now. It says Bevan's book. Um, I'm just pulling it right now so I can talk you through it. Uh, you go on there and you just go Bevan's book, you click on that, the fitness behaviour, get it now. There's there's two options in buying. There is the buy within New Zealand. But for the people overseas in particular, you can buy outside of New Zealand. You click on the link to Amazon. They'll take you directly to the page and you can get it for your Kindle there. Uh, you, if you don't want to get it yourself, you want to gift it to somebody else, go and do that there as well. You can gift it to someone else's Kindle. Also, uh, if you could write a review on Amazon for me, that'd be really awesome. Uh, the better review, the better. So uh, please write great reviews. But if you don't, know, be honest. You know, <laughs> do what you want to do. Uh, one star's not so good. Just remember that. Um, I, you know what? Even if you can't do it, that's cool. I totally understand that not everyone can afford to spend money on books and, and maybe you'll forget to do it. But um, I, I appreciate all the support I get for the work I do. I, I'm the luckiest person in the world because my whole world reinforces that. Like, it's one thing to to do your passion. It's another thing to have your whole wide world to tell you to do your passion more. And I'm really fortunate because that's what, what you guys and everyone I get to touch in my world does for me. They just keep telling me, do it more and do it better. And uh, this book is one of those moments where I get to stop and say, here's my next step. And so for you to be able to support me in that and, and just support me in the way you guys already do, I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, so there's, the, there's, there's my kind of call for help me out on this one. Uh, particularly the people in Australia, the UK and the US. If you guys can do that sooner more than later, be important because if you do it kind of three weeks from now, Sure, that would be great as well, but if we can kind of get everyone buying in this short period of time, that again helps that momentum thing. So, um, yeah, thanks guys. Um, it's one of those, it's, it's a special moment in my life. It's one of those moments where I get to, um, I know, you know, that bookshop moment the other day was pretty cool. And uh, and I, it's only it only happened because of this podcast. Like it really did. That book would never have existed if it wasn't for this podcast and this podcast has only happened because you guys have supported me and encouraged me to keep bringing out more content so i really appreciate everything you do for me and support you give to me and uh yeah and hopefully i can do that for more and more people as my time goes on so thanks uh yeah spread the word let everyone else you know about the book and uh I'll see you next month. I'll be back to normal next month. It'll be a pretty typical show. And uh, last month I talked about the interview, or last time I did the show, I talked about the interview with a guy called Gilbert Anoka, um, who's this kind of genius in uh, high-level sports. So hopefully I've got that interview hooked up for you for next month's show. So anyway, uh, thanks, guys. And I'll um, rock and roll, and I'll catch up with you guys next month. See ya.